Welcome to the 167th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, our topics are a brief overview of Patrick's weekend predictions and our weekly look at Major League Baseball. Let's jump right in with a look back at Patrick's weekend predictions, which are posted every Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com. And in those weekend predictions, which is the last all-baseball weekend series predictions of the year, Patrick went 2-1 with those predictions, bringing him to a 444-311 overall record, a 58.8% winning percentage. Patrick, your thoughts on your predictions? Yeah, a little bit of an odd record this week because, you know, normally, uh, well, if you do the math, 2 plus 1 does not equal 4. I obviously always pick 4 series. Uh, But the White Sox and the Guardians had the final game of their series start in a rain delay, and I went, okay, at least it'll be... On later, so I'll have two things to watch when uh, the Red Sox and the Orioles were supposed to be the only game, and then instead, well, it just got rained out entirely. Um, I don't remember if they ever set the makeup date or not. I know when I looked on Sunday, it said uh, to be determined, but I don't know if that's been determined yet or not. Um, Normally, the White Sox would have been able to play that game today, but uh, the White Sox just played a one-game series in Kansas City against the Royals before they go to Baltimore to play the Orioles, so uh, the weird schedule that resulted from the lockout actually prevented that game from being made up at the right time. I have no idea when they're going to do, I mean, actually, well, I think I do have a pretty good idea. They do play the Guardians once for the rest of the season. Uh, They have a bye day in between the first and, uh, sorry, in between the last game of the series before and the first game of that series with the Guardians, so as long as Cleveland doesn't play, then I guess that would be the makeup day. If not, they'd play a doubleheader somewhere in there because otherwise they would not be playing that game at all because they don't play them for the rest of the season. Uh, but regardless, that series I felt could have gone in my favorite, so I feel like I could have had a 3 one week. I'm not going to be counting it um, when they play that makeup game later on in case anybody's wondering. I'm not going to just wait for that because it's going to be hard to track which game is the makeup game and obviously, you know, a little bit messes up pitching rotations. Um, but... Anyway, that that series ended up being a tie, you could call it, Uh, but then the only series loss of the week, we will get to them in a second, but the Giants joined a group of very disappointing NL wildcard candidates this weekend, uh, and really over the last week, and they lost two of three to the Rockies, who are an above 500 team above, or sorry, above 500 team at home, Uh, so, you know, maybe that was a little bit of a a, a misplay on my hand, and, you know, they have a pretty good record against the Dodgers at Coors on the season. They have a pretty good record against everybody, as I mentioned. Uh, They are horrible on the road, but maybe I should have picked them because they were at home. I just thought that, you know, the Giants would uh, play like there was some more importance in that game than the Rockies would, considering where they are in their uh, divisional race, a.k.a. like 40 games back, and probably already out of the race for the division. I would assume the Dodgers have clinched the division if the Rockies were the second-place team. Uh, but that's a different story. Uh, they So the Giants lost that series, but that was the only loss they took this weekend. The Orioles took two or three from the Red Sox, including the game at the Little League World Series Classic, which is cool for them. Um, and then the Braves took two of three from the Astros at home. That was the other win of the week for me. So in an odd week, I go two and one. Pretty happy with those predictions, but uh, definitely excited to be watching college football next weekend, although I'm sure... Maybe, you know, I will stick to four games, but kind of as it ended up last year, those games might not exactly be that high profile if you're looking at the schedule. And uh, I won't I won't spoil what I might be picking, but uh, there might only be one 
major conference game in there, and the rest of them I'm just going to be waiting to see what the closest lines are and maybe what the closest spread is in my in terms of record in my overall predictions because, I mean, I guess I do have that as a database to judge how good teams are. Um, but some of the teams are not exactly good, so uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Well, you can still pick baseball in maybe one or two college games if the lineup isn't that robust. I will football. be picking four no matter what. I did it last season, too. It just, it just always ends up like, uh, who cares about this game? But, you know... It's fun. You get to watch these teams because you're never going to watch them again in the rest of the season. So you might as well watch them for one week. I don't think I'm going to be watching Austin P or Western Kentucky ever again or probably not UNLV and uh, probably not Utah State and UConn. I could go on and on. But now you might watch Utah State again. No, I'm OK. I might watch Illinois maybe once or twice, though. I'll, I'll give you that one. I'm um, definitely Nebraska Northwestern a few times. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. What, we'll see how that goes with those predictions. Maybe some lesser-known names that you won't ever otherwise see on those predictions that will be there. Although, of course, I don't care what's back. It's football, right? So who cares? I mean, I'd rather have football than no football. Don't really care who's playing. All right, well, we will see what games Patrick chooses to predict for next weekend's games when they're posted on our website on Thursday. Now let's turn our attention to our weekly look at Major League Baseball, starting, as always, in the American League East. The Yankees are still in the lead, somehow, uh, of this division with a 74-48 and 48 record, although their winning percentage is now uh, only .007 away from being 600 as opposed to it being near 700 for most of the season. Uh, the Rays and the Blue Jays are eight games back uh, each behind the Yankees with 65-55 and 55 records for both of them. And the Orioles are 10.5 back at 63-58, and 58, and the Yankees' biggest rivals are at the bottom of the division, 14 games back at 60 and 62. Uh, the Blue Jays really could have made the Yankees sweat by sweeping them in New York, but taking three out of four is still a good result for them. The Rays and Blue Jays are both now within single-digit games back of the Yankees at eight each, as I said. The Blue Jays are just eight and ten in August, actually, which really tells you that this lead could be probably under five games if the Blue Jays were just playing decent baseball. Uh, but instead, since they've been bad other than this series against the Yankees, uh, the gap has closed from 12 games down to 8 um, since the start of August, which it, it really should be more because the Yankees are 5-14 and 14 this month. And uh, that, I mean, look, it's as simple as the fact that this division lead should not still be 8 games. I mean, if the Rays did not start 15 games back at the beginning of the month, they have closed the lead down by seven games. If the Blue Jays had closed the lead down by seven games, it would be a five-game lead. So that's my basis of saying that the Yankees have not been good. Uh, but look, as I said, the Rays, now that they're tied with the Blue Jays, that's only behind an 11-7 and record in August. So it's not even like it took one of these teams playing out of their minds to catch up to the Yankees. They just had to be a few games above 500. Um, but the Yankees will now have to pit their struggling offense against, well, it was supposed to be DeGrom and Scherzer. Uh, but DeGrom has actually been pushed back, and it's actually going to be Taiwan Walker and Max Scherzer. Uh, but we'll see how that turns out. Well, the Blue Jays have a very important series at Fenway, and the Rays play the Angels at the Trop, which should be a pretty easy series win for them after the Angels dropped 2 of 3 to the Tigers in Mike Trout's return series. Uh, but we'll talk about the Angels in the, in a little bit later. Uh, these teams more come into play when it comes to the wildcard race, so I'll skip over the rest of kind of the nitty-gritty details about these teams until we get to that. Okay, well then, let's skip over to the American League Central. In the AL Central, the Guardians are in first place. Uh, the Twins 
probably should still be in first place, but we'll talk about that in a second. The Twins are one and a half games back, though, still, so they're they're still within striking distance. Uh, the White Sox are 62 and 59. They are two and a half games back. Then you have the Royals, who are 49 and 74. They're 16 and a half games back. And the Tigers, who are 18 and a half games back at 47 and 76. Although uh, their two their series win over the Angels means that their deficit from them to the Guardians is only a half game larger than the deficit between the Padres and the Dodgers in the NL West. Uh, which, that's a little ridiculous when you consider how bad the Tigers have been this season, but it just goes to show you how dominant the Dodgers have been. I could have used that as a Dodger stat, but figured I'd slip it in there while we're talking about this specific team. But look, the White Sox and Guardians split their series due to the rainout that we discussed in relation to my predictions. Chicago was 11-9 and in August, while the Guardians are 12-7, and so about the same, but maybe the, Gu- the Guardians would not have their division lead if they didn't have that better record, and if the White Sox were able to take the series, or even just take the first two games of the series, um, then that would have been a big positive for them. They would be, I think, a game, a half a game back uh, of that division lead. Uh, then, the Twins, despite playing the Royals, Rangers, Angels, and Tigers for 12 of their first 18 games in August, are just 9-9. Nine and nine. Uh, They've had a week scheduled, they had an opportunity to extend that lead, and they just completely squandered that chance. Uh, They should be up by a lot more in this division. The fact that they're not should be worrying to Twins fans because, I mean, look, I said it, that that schedule right there, I mean, obviously, you know, they did play the Dodgers and they played, I think, the Blue Jays for a four-game series, but uh, it's not exactly like the Blue Jays are unbeatable. I mean, the Blue Jays themselves are only 8 and 10 in August. They have not been on fire. And while the Dodgers were absolutely on fire when they played the Twins, they only played them for two games, so they dodged the bullet not playing them for too long. You put those two losses in there um, and, and, you know, pretend the rest of the month is just the rest of the month. Nine and seven against those in those 16 games against the slumping Blue Jays team, the Royals, the Rangers, the Angels, and the Tigers. I mean, those are probably the four worst teams in the AL that are not named the Oakland A's. So I, I really don't see how they managed to not do better in those series, but... Somehow, while we weren't paying attention, thought they had some easy wins, they did not convert those uh, easy opportunities for wins into wins. And as a result, they find themselves in second place, closer to the White Sox now than they are to the Guardians. Okay, let's move over to the American League West. Despite getting Trout back, as I discussed, the Angels lost their weekend series to the Detroit Tigers. I'm starting at the bottom of this division. However, uh, the Mariners lost their series to the bottom of the division, the actual bottom of the division, Oakland, choking a very, very good opportunity to extend their wild card lead, and uh, we'll get to why that was important in a second. But going back to the top, the Astros are 78-45, and 45, a better record than the Yankees now, keeping uh, that best record in the AL that they've had for a little bit at this point. Uh, however, very important is that the Yankees, since they're slumping, do not have that anymore. They're not really that close, even though the Astros lost their weekend series to the Braves. Uh, I talked about the Mariners. They're 66-56. and 56. 11 and a half games back. This is not like the AL Central where it's just as likely that you win the division uh, as you get in through the wild card. The Mariners have their eyes set in on the wild card. There's no way they're making up the 12-game deficit uh, that they'd have to make up. Although there is a very good chance that they do make the playoffs through the wild card, although the AL is kind of just a mess right now. Uh, then you have the Rangers who are 55 and 66. They're 22 games back. They've won two in a row. They're 6-4 and four in the last 10. I don't know what that means for their record since they fired their manager, but uh, I guess we'll do that case study at the end of the season, maybe along with the rest of the teams and see how that went. 
Um, when we move on to the NL East after we get through the wild card, though, we will see a team where that has gone extremely well for them. Uh, but for now, that's all I got for the AL West. Again, definitely not an interesting division. Hasn't been for a while, although the Mariners are interesting for the wild card race, but that's why we want to talk about it, right? Yeah, well, let's talk about the wild card race then. You have the Rays, the Blue Jays, and the Mariners all tied for, well, you could say tied for the first wild card spot, you could say the second, you could say the third, whichever one you want to say. I think technically, legally, it should be the first one, uh, but they're all tied in the same place. One win, obviously, and one loss by another team will change that. I believe the Rays are the only team who play today, uh, and they play the Angels, so I'm going to take a wild guess and say that the Rays end up at the top of this uh, by the end of the day, while... The uh, Blue Jays and Mariners will probably stay back and stay tied with each other, but down in this race. Uh, then you have the Twins. They're two and a half games back. Uh, the Orioles are two and a half games back. Uh, not the same record, but same uh, differential. Then you have the White Sox, who are three and a half games back, and the Red Sox, who are six games back, which means that there are four other teams in the hunt within six games of that tie in the top three. Um, with the Twins and the Orioles closest to taking that spot, although none of these teams really have been amazing in their last few games. They all definitely could have been a little bit better, Um, and maybe if they had, then, you know, maybe one of these teams would have kind of emerged uh, as the clear team in control of that wildcard spot, but none of them have done that so far. Okay, well, let's turn our attention to the National League, also starting in the Eastern Division. The Braves became the first team to beat the Mets in a divisional series this weekend, or sorry, this week, after taking three of four from New York. Uh, but the Mets remain in the division lead at 79-44, and 44, the second-best record in MLB and the second-best record uh, in the NL, however, because the Dodgers have a better record. But the Braves, now four games back, they are 75-48. and 48. They are 8-2 and two in their last 10. Um, and although they've won 11 of their last 13, the Mets still do maintain that four-game lead, which is... A pretty good sign for the Mets in terms of somehow having a lead after the second place team wins 11 of 13, but at the same time, you would like to have at least maybe split that series in Atlanta and uh, kept that lead at five or six games in a little bit more of a comfortable range as now the Braves will be edging closer while the Mets play the Yankees. The Braves are playing the Pirates, Uh, but the Mets over the weekend would go on to take three or four from the Phillies in Philadelphia after that series loss to the Braves. While the um, Met, while the, sorry, while the Braves would take two of three at home against the Astros, uh, I'll be talking about what happened at the end of that series when we get to the Wild card because of the team that's third in this division, the Philadelphia Phillies, who are at sixty six and fifty five. Uh, if they were in the AL, they'd be a half game up of that three game tie for the first wild card spot. But unfortunately, they sit in the NL, which means that they're in the third wild card spot themselves. Uh, we'll talk more about that positioning later, but they're four and six in their last ten. I would say they have a pretty good chance of making the playoffs, though, in terms of all of these teams who are kind of not doing what they're supposed to be doing right now. The Phillies are definitely the most normal out of them, the Brewers and the Padres, and both the Brewers and the Padres, or maybe even the Giants, would have to be better than the Phillies for the rest of the season to actually knock the Phillies out of the playoffs, and I'm more confident in the Phillies than any of the other teams right now. The other teams are at full strength while the Phillies are still missing MVP Bryce Harper. So they can get better. They easily will get better. Um, And now, on the other hand, you have the other teams who have made their additions and really have not done much with them. Uh, But we'll talk about that in the context of the wild card in a little bit. 
Uh, but then you have the Marlins in this division. They're 26 games back. They got swept this weekend by the Dodgers. Uh, they're 2-8 and eight in their last 10. They've lost four in a row. They're 52-69. and 69. Then you have the Nationals, the worst team in baseball by record. 41-82. and 82, 38 games back in this division. Obviously not like that's going to matter, but uh, they're... Four and six in their last ten, which is slightly better than the Marlins, and uh, they probably had the best series of any team this weekend because they split a series with a team that's supposed to be much better than them. Actually, a team that stole half their roster in the middle of the season, uh, and yet C.J. Abrams and Luke Voigt rallied the Nationals to split a weekend series with Juan Soto, Josh Bell, and the Padres. Uh, but we'll we'll get to that in in the uh, in the context of the wild card too. As you can tell, I'm very fed up with some of these teams in the wild card and don't really think they deserve to be in the playoffs at this moment. Uh, but that's all I got on those teams for now. We can move on to the NL Central. Right, we didn't mention the Nationals might be the most consistent team in baseball, having won exactly one game for exactly every two losses this year. I get, sure, fine. They got they got the perfect one-to-two ratio, huh? Exactly. All right, let's move over to the NL Central. Well, in the NL Central, the Cardinals, who have been anything but consistent this season, are 69-51. and 51. They are peaking at the right time, however, pretty much like like last year, actually. Uh, they won seven games in a row so far. They're about to play the Cubs on the road. They are 8-2 and two in their last 10. If you did not understand my reference to last year, they won 19 games in a row at the end of the season before they lost in the one-game wild card to the Dodgers. That was a team that nobody wanted to face. Uh, over the course of a three-game series because odds are, after winning 19 in a row, that one loss might have been more of a fluke than a, uh, than a, than a model of how well they were actually playing at that point. Uh, and who knows what would have happened if you flipped last year and this year. Frankly, I would rather have last year flipped with this year. I'd rather have the Dodgers in a full series and have the Cardinals in a full series than have the Padres and the Phillies playing the series, the series is, 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 is that they're about to play uh, later in the year. And, uh, well, I'll move on from that. Let's talk about those Brewers who I didn't just mention in that wildcard race because they're not quite there yet. They are in second uh, in the NL Central, despite having a four- or five-game lead, I believe, just last week. They are now five games back in the division. They are four and six in their last ten. And after a series split against the Dodgers, they lost a weekend series to the Cubs. Uh, they barely avoided a sweep. But speaking of the Cubs, they're 11-8 and eight in August. Unfortunately, I think it might be a little too late to make a playoff push, but I bet if you did the records of all those teams in August, I guarantee you the Cubs would have the best record of any team that's anywhere near the NL wildcard race. They have definitely been better than the Padres and the Brewers and, well, maybe not the Phillies, but probably the Giants too since the All-Star break and uh, in August for sure, uh, which is not something I thought I'd be saying, but I guess... You know, they didn't end up trading Contreras. They didn't end up trading Hap. So I guess it is kind of predictable that that team would get back to a respectable standard. I think they're playing a lot worse than their roster actually is. I really think this is more of a transition year than the start of a rebuild for the Cubs. I really think that next year, I'd, I'm not exactly saying they'll be in the playoffs or anything with some of the other rosters that are A, in their division, and B, throughout the NL. But I do think they'll be at least a little competitive next year, maybe kind of like the Giants are this year, kind of hanging around 500, and we'll have to see what they do come the trade deadline next year. Uh, but then you have the Cincinnati Reds. They are not competitive whatsoever. They're 48-71, and 71, 20 and a half games back. They have won two in a row, but they're 4-6 and six in their last 10. They will play the Phillies this week. 
You have the Pirates, who are going to be playing the Braves. They are 47-74 and 74 at 22 and a half games back. They are 2-8 and eight in their last 10. A minus 174 run differential, which has to be near the worst in the league. It is the second worst in the National League. Yeah, yeah. the Nationals are at negative 209. Yeah. All right, are you done with the Central? Can we move on to the West and the Wild Card? Yep, it's been the most boring division all year. Don't want to waste any more breath on it. All right, let's move to the National League West. You have the Dodgers in first place. Big surprise. Uh, with an 84-36 and 36 record, I talked about the Yankees at some point being close to a 700 record. Well, the Dodgers actually now do have a 700 winning percentage. Uh, they are plus 264 in run differential. They've won three in a row. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10. And they are 18 games ahead of the 68-56 San Diego Padres. Uh, the Giants are sitting at 24 and a half games back. Now a game under 500 at at 60 and 61. Although they're six and four in their last 10, you have the Diamondbacks who are 55 and 66, 29 and a half games back, and then you have the Rockies who are 53 and 70 at 32 and a half games back. Both of those teams four and six in their last 10. Although the Rockies did take a series this weekend from the Giants. However, let's go back to the top of the division with the Dodgers. Definitely the story of this division. Although at this point, this might be the most. Well, it's not a boring division, but it might be the one that you have the least to talk about in when you compare uh, the teams and their differentials with each other. However, the Dodgers are still an interesting topic, a topic that I'm very well versed in, and probably both of us. Uh, But Dustin May previously had not pitched in about 15 months in the majors, but picked picked up just where he left off in his AAA rehab starts. In AAA, he started five games and in 19 innings had a 1.89 ERA with 15.5 strikeouts per nine innings. In his season debut, he gave up just one hit and surrendered two walks. All of those were in the first inning where he loaded the bases, but also struck out three batters in that inning. Uh, Not the cleanest way to strike out the side, but technically he did that. Uh, Overall, he threw five innings, gave up no runs, struck out nine batters. And the Dodgers, as a team, split their four-game series with the Brewers, but then with rookie Ryan Pepio on the mound, the Dodgers chased NL Cy Young favorite Sandy Alcantara off the mound after he gave up six earned runs in three and two-thirds innings. Perhaps the biggest story for LA isn't the return of May, but it's the return of Max. Max Muncie has a 19-game on-base streak currently, uh, and in August he is batting 328 with seven home runs and 15 RBI in 16 games. So he's probably been one of the best players in August in the entire league, not just for the Dodgers, and the stats back that up over the last 15 days, Muncie has an OPS of 1,187, which trails only Alex Bregman and Paul Goldschmidt for the highest OPS in that span, obviously that being NL MVP favorite and pretty much lock at this point, uh, Paul Goldschmidt, not not just any other guy, obviously, uh, but he is definitely having a great par- uh, second half of his season. He's really seemed to figure stuff out, and parlay that into a contract extension, actually, this weekend. Meanwhile, in 12 games since joining the Dodgers, talk about another resurgence. Joey Gallo is batting 267 with a 1,038 OPS and three home runs. The Dodgers lineup is looking as deep as it has looked all season and is clicking at the right time. They're still on pace for a franchise record 113 wins and hold a six-and-a-half game lead over the Mets for the best record in MLB and obviously in the NL, so... Looking pretty likely that the Dodgers end up with home field. Uh, But enough about the Dodgers. I'll move on to the rest of the division, uh, but within the context of the wild card race. But actually, before I do that, I would like to mention that Joey Gallo hitting 267 with the Dodgers 
that's 100 points higher than both the second half of his season with New York last year and the first half of the season with New York this year. He hit 160 and 159 uh, at the end of the season after he was traded and at the beginning of this season before he was traded. So it really looks like Joey Gallo actually just needed a change of scenery, and it really does not matter where because even last year where when he hit 160 for the Yankees, he was hitting way better in Texas before that. So uh, I don't know what's going on with that. Maybe maybe when you get booed, it's harder to play baseball. I don't know. It probably is. New York's just not right for some people. Yeah, I mean, and I would say that's probably a negative thing when it comes to their free agency. And uh, maybe, maybe if guys who have beards uh, ever try to go to New York again, they definitely would not do it based on the fact of Joey Gallo with a beard versus Joey Gallo without a beard. He seems to get better the bigger his beard is, uh, which is a pretty good sign for the Dodgers because... In due time, he'd be hitting as well as Barry Bonds if that's actually the case, as he's already hitting 267. Um, but anyway, we'll move on to the wild card race, like I said. Um, in the wild card, the Braves are eight games up on the second team. That would be the Padres. And uh, there's really a giant clump of four teams that shouldn't make the playoffs at all, but I'll get to that in a second. The Braves at 75 and 48. As I said, eight games up on the third wild card spot, I should say. Seven and a half up on the second wild card spot. Uh, they pretty much locked that up. I really don't think anybody's catching them. If anything, well, by games back and just by conventional wisdom, they're probably clo- they're probably closer to winning their division than they are falling to the second wild card spot. So it looks like the Braves will be hosting a wild card series. They'll be hosting all three games of it, as that is the format. And it's really just a matter of if it's going to be the Padres, the Phillies, or the Brewers. I don't think that even if the Giants make a miraculous run and make it, they'll be in the second wild card spot. I feel like they'd have to kind of sneak out the third wild card spot, but we will see who the Braves will end up playing. Um, and then obviously the last wild card team will play the worst record of a division winner, which is looking like it's going to be the Cardinals. Although I guess they could catch up to the Mets. It's not very likely, but they, they have a chance. Um, then you have every other team, in the NL wild card race, which is they're all, uh, I guess the best way to put it is that they're currently doing their best to let any other team in the playoffs. I mean, I said the Cubs, have been playing well in August. At this point, they probably are the fifth best team. If you were to rank the power rankings of the NL uh, in August, they would actually probably be the fifth team somehow because all of these teams right now are just not playing well. You have the Braves winning 11 of 13. None of these teams have played well in their last 10. None of these teams have played well in August. The Padres got a break in their supposedly tough schedule. They played the bottom two teams in the NL East, but lost two of three in Miami and then proceeded to squeak out a four-game series split at home with the Nationals. They became the first team since the Marlins on the 4th of July to not score four runs against Patrick Corbin. They won 2-1 to one against Patrick Corbin, the MLB's worst full-time starter. That was the day after they demoted Josh Hader from the closing role uh, following him walking in the go-ahead run and giving up an RBI in a three to, uh, sacrifice fly RBI in a 3-1 loss to the Nats, although he didn't pick up any earned runs in that game because, unfortunately, the Padres tried to have you Darvish pitch all the way through the ninth because I don't think they were really believing uh, in Hater's ability to close the game at that point, and it was 1-1, so they wanted to get you Darvish through the ninth and then hope to walk it off in the bottom of the ninth. They didn't score at all. Hater let uh, his, all his inherited runners score. And then he followed that up with a 0.0 innings pitched appearance in the ninth where he gave up three runs after coming into another tied game at 3-3. He has a 16.2 ERA with the Padres, so 
It looks like the Brewers won that trade. Uh, meanwhile, his former team, the Brewers, speaking of them, after a series sweep, or sorry, a series split with the best team in baseball, lost game one at Wrigley. Then in game two, they took a 3-2 lead in the eighth, but proceeded to allow the Cubs to tie the game at three in the bottom of the ninth, and then allowed them to tie the game at, at four in the 10th, and then allowed them to again, to again come back and tie the game at five in the 11th before Wilson Contreras hit an RBI single that ended the game at six to five. The Brewers avoided the sweep, but also squandered a perfect opportunity to gain ground on both the Padres and the Phillies. In fact, if they had swept the Cubs, which was definitely possible because they had multiple leads in every game of that series in at least three different innings, they led the game, they would be 66 and 54, which would give them a second wild card spot with a half game lead over the Padres and a full one game lead over the Phillies. So what am I saying about the Brewers? They choked. Uh, they should be in the wild card firmly right now, and instead, they're behind and out of the playoff picture entirely. So that's very bad. But then it gets worse. The Phillies also squandered an opportunity this weekend. While losing a series to the Mets without Bryce Harper is excusable, the Phillies led 4 to nothing in the first, 7-4 to in the fourth, and 8-7 to in the eighth, and still lost the game on Sunday to, against the Mets that would have given them a, given them a series split. The Giants, who could have made up ground on all of those teams with all the chaos going on, would go on to split a series at home against the Diamondbacks and then lose the first two of a three-game series with Colorado, which meant that from, I think, Wednesday to Saturday, they did not win a single game going 0-4 against the two worst teams in the NL West, similar to how the Padres did not win a series against the two worst teams in the NL East. Um, and then, I mean, look, I, I would much rather see the Braves just easily destroy San Diego, Philly, Milwaukee, or even the Giants, and then just go on to play the Dodgers right after that, rather than having to allow two of those three teams in the playoffs. The good news is none of these teams will be playing a home game, as one of them will be playing the worst record of a divisional leader, and the other one will be playing the Braves on the road. Or I guess that could also be the Mets if they if the Braves somehow uh, manage to catch up with the Mets, even though both teams are on pretty historical paces for their franchises. So what you're saying is it may not sort it out in the regular season, but hopefully the postseason will sift out that unnecessary additional team in the National League. I would be, I'll say, I'll put it this way. I would be shocked if there's a single Game 3 in the NL wildcard round. I think we I think we will pretty easily see, unless somehow the Cardinals just forget how to play baseball in September and then they're cold coming into October, but the Brewers just could not catch up because they had you know, squandered their lead by so much that... There's just not enough time left to make up the games. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals of all the teams like weren't able to kind of squeak it out and play well. But I, the way that the Braves have been playing all season, they should be leading a division somewhere. I mean, I think they have the fourth best record in MLB out of any team. And yet, the I mean, the only teams they would be trailing are the Dodgers, Astros, and the Mets. They just happen to be in a division with the Mets. So they're a division leader. They're they're a World Series contender, probably at least a top five uh, contender. You could argue higher than that. And uh, they will probably pretty easily beat a team, that, at least if the Phillies aren't fully healthy and if Bryce Harper doesn't come back at full strength. I think they'll easily dispose of any team that they get put against, especially if it's the Padres. Okay, well, that wraps up our look at Major League Baseball. It also wraps this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please be sure to check out our next podcast, which will be Monday, August 29th, where we will recap Patrick's weekend predictions, have our weekly look at Major League Baseball, and briefly recap some of college football Week Zero action. 
In the meantime, please be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including his Major League Baseball power rankings that will be updated tomorrow, his annual spreadsheet predicting every college football game for the 2022 regular season that has already been published, our college football preseason poll that will be posted on Wednesday, and Patrick's picks for next weekend's games on Thursday. All of that on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.